Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Guys, if you if reincarnation is real um, and you die of natural causes peacefully, old age, um, and you you know you get to whoever it is that you know you get to at the end of your life, mm. and they say, okay, we're going to reincarnate you now. You have a choice. You don't know anything else about your circumstances, but you can make this one choice. You can be reincarnated four hundred years in the past or four hundred years in the future. Which are you going with? Oh, blimey, because either are going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Well, no, because 400 years in the future has potential to be fucking sick. Could be utopian. Yeah, it could be. It's unlikely. You reckon that we've sorted it out? Yeah, you reckon we've got to the bottom of it? Uh, uh, I go for future. Oh, wow. Just re- That's really easy. What was 400 years ago? What What was going on? 1600s, isn't it? What's that? What happened then? No, 1600s. Not, not anything good. Is it the Crusades? Then. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be a cool... No, I was going to say I'd be a cool knight in armour, but they are all fucking terrible people, right? I suppose some of it, I know, and I know I said that, you know, there's no further information. I mean, if I went back with my memories as they are now, mm. pretty sure I could do something with, like, knowing the plot to Avatar, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, but you wouldn't... Probably be, make some money off that. What, what in the 1600s? Maybe, I don't know. What is that going to do for you? A great puppet show. And also you're like, oh, I know what a smartphone is. And they're like, whoa, build us that. And you're like, oh, what? Yeah, huh? don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, exactly. L- listen to me going. Oh, I'd be a cool knight. I'd be, I'd be a peasant that dies at seven. You'd be a serf. You'd be. Such I'd a surf. be in the mud. You would. And yeah, I would not you wouldn't make, make it, it to I ten. Would, I think. would not make it to ten, and yeah. I'd die with no teeth. Future, absolutely future. And then if it turns out it is a, a hellhole, a post-apocalyptic hellhole, just kill myself. And then that time I get the option again, 400 years in the future, 400 years in the past. I can go 400 years in the past, and it's back to present, and it's back to present day. 
that's good. I like this plan. I like this plan a lot. He just gets back to have present you, day. Have you cracked it? Loophole. That's an incredible Loophole. answer. Well done. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We are a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us for season six, which is called Are We Enjoying This? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of REM. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we are, of course, asking, are we enjoying this? And to be clear, we're asking, are we enjoying this in regards to the band REM? Not, are we enjoying this in regards to this, the sixth season of our podcast, which is called Are We Enjoying This? And which you may or may not now be enjoying. I'm Adam Scott Glassball. I'm a big music nerd. I'm a big fan of REM. With me, as always, are two of my very closest friends. The first is someone who's not a huge music nerd, is maybe the least knowledgeable on music in general out of the three of us, and he's just learning through this podcast how to apply critical thought onto why he likes or dislikes something and whether that means it's good or not. It's, of course, Lucas Way. Oi, oi. And we have someone betwixt those two places, Steve Murphy. Uh, Welcome to my show. Oh, this is your show, is it? Yep. I look forward to you giving us all the context about all these songs. Well, at, at the very least, what he could do is just set, set us up on this episode, couldn't he? What are we doing then? On this episode, we are continuing with Reckoning. We got... Who's that by? Ah, uh, Oh, shit. I actually don't remember. Uh, what number album is it? Two. Mm-hmm. And... What track did we get up to? Tell me that. Well... It, I can tell you this. It's a thorny it's, issue, isn't it? I know which one it is because it's this one. And then you say, which one is it? You didn't do anything because I thought that we were going to go into the song. But actually, it's this I've, one. I've played the song already. Oh, shit. It's the of the hour by the water towers typically seen that as a dip in the album mm-hmm. uh in order to just kind of i don't know what you guys feel about it i don't know how you guys feel about it it's definitely a dip in the energy that has been built up to this point right yeah yeah it's i've always gone into this song like on repeat listens it starts and i'm like oh this is where the bo- this is boring this is boring oh it's, it's the, the boring, boring section. one yeah because it's a little <laughs> droney and slow but like it is quite expansive, and I love all like there's lots of instrumentation stuff going on, and I think there's a sitar in it. Um, so like it's got no, nah, is it not? Nah, no, it, it's just it's just, a, it's just how he tuned his guitar for it. Cool, yeah, yeah. But it but it's different. It is a it's a different sound. Um, I don't I don't love it, uh, but 
I kind of like what it's doing. And you've got to have ebb and flow, I guess. It sounds like I'm being very kind about saying it's boring. You've got to have ebb and flow. Nah, you could just have an album full of bangers, top to bottom, you know? You can. Yeah, well. You can do In Rainbows if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's possible. Yeah. yeah, it is possible. Where it's all ebb and no flow. Wait, <laughs> all flow and no... Wait, which is the good one of ebb and flow? What does they're, ebb no, they're mean? They're both good. They can just you use ebb like, on its own? Uh, yeah, like an ebbing tide, right? Another it's something that comes, comes in and goes away, right? I don't think. I don't know. Um, hmm. Man, I, I kind of locked into it this time. Uh, like I would have typically seen it as a dip, but I think this, this, you know, the the very focused, repetitive listens of the whole album, and this is the one that I most often just because it's so short, just listen to in one go, you know, like all the way through from track one to track ten. Yeah. Very rarely did I shuffle this. Um, I looked into it because I think it represents something that we haven't really had from the band yet in in a few ways. Actually, not sure we've had something that is this moody. Yeah, you know. Um, but also it seems like a different writing style for Michael Stipe. It seems kind of, by REM standards, quite linear. Um, it seems less like collage lyrics and more like storytelling. It seems like it has one thing to say and is exploring that. Like, uh, if if your friends took a fall, are you obligated to follow time after time? Uh, we can fight if you want, but who will turn out the lights time after time? It, it feels like it's about being trapped in negative cycles or negative relationships. There's a line about having your worth judged by the hour that is quite interesting. Um, There's a water tower on it. Water watch. Thank you, thank you Steve. You're very thank welcome. You, Steve. Wait, <laughs> is there? There's a tower. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's water tower later on. Sorry. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is interesting. I We haven't really had that. We've had like... Uh, him piling in images and ideas and everyone takes a bit of something different away from it or whatever, or he could be talking about loads of things. I do think he had a central idea or a central story maybe going into this song, um, which I think is interesting and it represents something different. Um, I ultimately come down on the side of liking it. There's not a song on the album that I dislike, but I don't think that the droning qualities Mm -hmm. help you know do you know know what what i mean the droning quality reminds me of the johnny greenwood stuff that he did uh on his own with um that kind of prayer chanty droniness do you know yes the the Um, water composition oh yeah water more water Um, yeah yeah that that stuff with the it kind of eastern kind tinge of, to yeah, it. Yeah, an eastern yeah. feel to it. I, I think maybe I was avoiding that because it seems too cliche. But yeah. I think it, 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 it does make it sound like it has a more folk-adjacent kind of thing because of those drone notes. And I think it's because that's quite a 60s sound. Yes. You know, like 60s folk, you'll often have that kind of like eastern influence, the drones. Lucas, our, our resident kind of like... Uh, Sex pot. Dunce. Hanson. Oh. <laughs> Our resident handsome. Handsome sex pot dunce. Did you find this to be a bit of a challenging, more more challenging listen than it's the first not, four it's tracks? Not a cha- I didn't find it a challenge. I, it, it is. It, I, I, I wrote, it plods along. Yeah, it does. It's completely inoffensive, but I could have a little sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I like, think is maybe the, what you need after those first four the, tracks, the, to the, be fair. The, Quick the chorus is nice. I mean, it's very simple. 
Um, I do like the guitar-y bits. They're like... And all that business. But it is just... It's the tempo, I think. It's just it's very, very plodding along. And so I did just kind of go, let's have a little... Let's probably check my phone now, I reckon. Yeah, there's some. I think there's some interesting little touches that they they use to keep you interested. Um, they use a metal pole as percussion. He's like banging a metal pole on something during the bridge, and they add some bongos in. There's some bongos on this. Of course, they're not afraid of the bongos, guys. I am. Um, are you? Yeah, it's a weird phobia. You must have struggled. You must have struggled with this one, man. There's bongos all over this. I don't yeah. think. I don't think I've actually heard it. Um, I know that Michael Stipe loves it. Just fucking loves this. I mean, song. I'd hope yeah. I'd hope he'd love his own song, but like, but they've got like, so many a, songs to know that he loves this one is quite interesting. Yeah, they, they do this thing on a bunch of their compilations where each of the members will pick a couple of their favorite songs that are maybe like deep cuts, like the songs that aren't obviously going to be on their best of compilations. Like sometimes the second disc will feature picks from all of them. Uh, and recently, that each of the members listed their ten favorite REM songs and put them into a big playlist, right, to capitalize on their newfound resurgence thanks to the bear um but michael stipe always picks time after time which is interesting it it could be that he recognizes it as like a turning point in his writing uh because i think he explores lyrics a bit more like this going forward that's interesting Um, because you you mentioned the folk uh influence in the sound and if this is more of a storytelling lyric then that that makes sense right that kind of goes with that style I also think that there are some albums coming up, not immediately, but in a few albums' time, that trend more towards this style of music okay. than than the the rest of the style of the music on on this album. Uh, that they they lean more heavily into folk rock. I think. Um, don't know if I've ever unravelled what Annalise is. It's a name, obviously, Annalise. The E is capitalised, which Spotify doesn't represent. Or it could be Analyze. I don't know. Stipe loves weird little little titles. Um, I ultimately come down on the same side of the argument, uh, I think, as the guy from Pavement, Stephen Malkmus. Have you ever heard the song Unseen Power of the Picket Fence? Uh, nope. Ew. I might play a bit. I might play a bit yeah? for you. Flashback to 1983. Chronic Town was the first beat. Later on came Reckoning. Fensters are titles to map South Central Rain. Don't go back to Rockville, Harbor Coast. Pretty persuasion, you're born to be a That's excellent. There, there's a band that is very, very important in the history of alternative and indie rock pavement. And they're another band that would not exist without R.E.M. And that song <laughs> is just a biography of R.E.M. That's <laughs> so like, like, it's just them just singing about their opinions of another <laughs> yeah. album. And sometimes not just opinions. It's just that they, they then released <laughs> Reckoning and it just, had songs yeah. such as on it. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Uh, it's really good. Might listen to Pavement. Bit of a banger as well. Yeah, it sounds great, that song. Um, guys, that's the end of the first side uh, Flip it of over. the album. 
flip it over. We're on side R. You could just put in a sound effect there, Adam, of flipping it over. I just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I genuinely thought that was you doing a sound effect because it sounded exactly like. Is that what? How many times are you flipping it, Luke? Because when like a pancake, your fingers don't you? When you spin it, you go. And it like spins between your fingers because it yeah, looks cool, yeah. and then you place it back down, like, Ho- hoping it spins, it's on the like, correct side. You go, and then you put it down, and it's really smooth. It's really it's 50 no, 50 it. whether no. he just hears the same side again yeah, yeah. or not. Oh, perfect. Really. No, perfect every time because it's I'm smooth. It's dang, you know, nah, mate. Yeah, no, nah, you're, you're hearing Harbour Coat again with that. That's fucking, fine by me with that technique. Yeah, <laughs> I like Harbour Coat. Anyway, side R right. opens with second guessing. Another very simple chorus on that one, right? A a real jump in energy that was needed after time after time. Although now you put it in the context of a, a, a track what track one of side yeah. eight, it, it doesn't feel the same because now it's like track one of a different thing instead of like on a CD. Yeah, that would be oh good, I need the energy to come back up again after that slower song because time after instead time, good closer. That's interesting. I, right. I actually agree with you. I do think Time After Time is a good closer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this this one, though, uh, it's short, and it's one of those like little rocky pop numbers. Don't, well, don't actually, do you know what? I'm not sure if it actually sounds anything it? like trumpets as someone enters a boxing ring. I don't think it sounds anything Ooh. like the movie Rocky. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I But I... And I've said this about... I reckon one, at least one song for every artist we've done. Make it shorter. Yeah, yeah. One of those <laughs> How little. How long is it? How long is it? It's only two forty nine. Two forty nine. Two forty nine. Make it one fifty nine. Get rid Max. of one of the many choruses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just make it just one of those little short pop, rocky bop. Yeah, fair. Good. Um, I have been absolutely uh fucked by the Manics uh with Imperial Body Bags because I keep thinking this song every time I listen to it goes Why are you trying to second guess me? Ding 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 and it doesn't. And I always think it's going to come. It and it doesn't. It yeah. leaves a gap for it. Like they knew that I would be thinking about Send Away the Tigers. <laughs> Christ alive. Um, um, it's interesting that most of the lyrics are just ooh and ah and here we are. 
he is so good and we'll see it on the next track as well he's really good at wordless vocals the the ooze on this are are great he's like careening vocals like at the end of southern central rain he's just his vocals are great and he knows that he doesn't like him singing no words is as good as him singing words sometimes do you know what i mean like he doesn't need the lyrics um and lots of people don't understand what the lyrics are anyway, so it doesn't really make a difference to yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> he can just go, oh, and it's fine. It's like the same the same amount of information is being imparted uh, to the listener. Um, although this one seems to be about uh, identity, maybe. Maybe people who change their identity, they're perhaps being more power in just being yourself, you know, who you are. Why are you trying to second guess me? I am tired of second guessing. That chorus is just that brazen kind of here we are. And I think you could argue that he's talking about the band. Uh, you know, critics and journalists had been trying to categorise and pigeonhole REM, trying to make them conform to a, no, a known genre or style, when ultimately they are kind of uncategorizable at this point in their career. Are they a folk rock band? Are they a punk band? Are they a pop band? Are they a country band? You know, the name REM, like we said, kind of uncategorizable, and that notion is also where "file underwater" as a as an album title comes from. What kind of band are REM? File them underwater. It's just an uncategor yeah. It's just a, an uncategorizable sort of like thing. Uh, very simple, good energy, good amount of fun. Again, there's like a simplicity with like layers of complexity kind of hidden away. Buck, very good at switching up the rhythms of his guitars, that bass providing a counter melody, obviously classic R.E.M. stuff, right? Yeah. This <laughs> is R.E.M. Yeah. Great. Right? Yeah, great. They changed the lyrics yeah. live, apparently, in one of the... There's a line that goes, be in my club, write a book this season. Oh, yeah. And live, in live, he'd go. Peter, Mike, Bill, write a book this season. Oh, because they're his club. Because they're his. Because there is no, no. They're the members of the band, Adam. Oh, they're not in his. Oh, they're not in his book club. Yeah, no. Sorry, no. I, no, I got confused. No, you're right. With I the Michael Stipe book club that you are yeah. familiar with, obviously. I'd fucking love that book club. I'd, I'd join that book club. What, what, yeah. Which would you join first, that or the Nicky White book club? Oh, Stipe. Oh. Uh, an infinitely more interesting lyricist than Nicky Wire. Yeah, like, but Nicky Wire has all the weird, you know, all the, you get a lot of, you'd learn a lot from the Nicky Wire version, wouldn't you? The Nicky Wire book club, you'd learn a lot of stuff because you'd be I don't think books. I would. I think I'd learn a lot from the Richie Edwards book club, but not loads from the Nicky Wire Oh, yeah, it's a fair point. Nah, it's a fair point. Yeah. You just drink wine. I'd, I'd learn a lot about, yeah, about drinking wine and getting depressed. Yeah. What about, can, what I, from can, the Wire can I interest you, though, in club? what about the Matt Benamy book club? I well. mean, that's just a pamphlet, isn't it? <laughs> he, just, he just hands around a pamphlet that is like, did you know that the 5G masts are causing COVID? <laughs> <laughs> the that's vaccine the... puts spiders in your brain. <laughs> yeah, that's the Matt Bellamy book club. Anyway, uh, yeah, good energy, good opening to the second half. Letter never sent.
getting right to it. Like, you know, just we're we're less than a minute in there. It's just getting to it, isn't it? Fucking love this, man. Yeah? <laughs> it's cool, right? Uh, it's 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 just so full of rhythm. I love the I love that rhythm he does, like the voice kind of mimicking the guitar. And that's that the way it comes in a bit later as well and sort of slowly rises up. I love the staccato rhythm all over the whole song actually. Like the drums and the guitar stabs. When that when the snare is introduced at the beginning, it's just like that's me kissing. That's how I kiss. Um, yeah. And then and then the lyrics as well, because he, he he's like going knock 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 on the wood, and that's to the beat. Oh, I think this is great. I think this might be my favorite thing on the album. Great songwriting, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, great. And and like I honestly, I think across this whole album, one I think they we've talked about the bridges. I think they've nailed the choruses on this album, man. Mm. The the heaven is yours, and then the way they add another vocal line to that later in the song, just absolute chef's kiss. I like maybe time after time has less of a chorus than other songs. All of the other ones, the choruses are fucking bangers. Every single one. I and I think I said this on the last album. I almost universally prefer the verses. That goes back to that thing I was saying earlier, where they put their most interesting things yeah. into the verses. It's like the yeah. the the melodic, the melodic, melodic, the melodic mm-hmm. sort of anthemic thing, which is normally something I would go for. It's almost like it's not anthemic enough to be. I don't feel that bigness, and so in fact, actually, I find the interesting thing more more gooded, more gooded. I my brain enjoy the. It's good. a cracking, cracking <laughs> criticism going mm, on yes. in the last thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, yeah. That is interesting actually because the bit the bit in this song where he's doing the oh does feel bigger than the heaven is yours, yeah. doesn't it? It it yeah, it feels more well, grand. The verses, but I think that's ultimately what I like about the choruses is that sometimes they're willing to just bring it down a bit. The verses in this one, I described it in my notes as he sings so like softly and carelessly. He's just it's just like it's just like fumbling words out of his brain. He's yeah. so not giving it. And I I can't remember if we talked about this on Murmur or even the first one. The, did we talk about Macca doing when there's the bit on the film on Disney Plus about them writing Let It Be? No. There's the bit Oh, when, when he's writing Get Back. He's writing Get, he's back, going like, Get Back. And you can kind of hear it kind of sounds like that. Where it's almost it's like, like, like he's just, stopped there. It's almost went, yeah, like he's good, kind of just like <laughs> it's kind of just fumbling out of his brain as he goes, and it's like, yeah, that's good. That's uh, yeah, that'll do. It's that sort of yeah. thing. It's the exact opposite to the very performative singing like that you get out of some other artists it's like the right. polar opposite which is just like carelessness in the way he's singing yeah it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's, just, a, it's just it's just a recklessness to it yeah. there's a, an improvisatory feel there's a, a a push and a pull which is obviously something that I, I like in in all of my music um i think it's about he's singing in lowercase Oh, I don't know what that means, but I know how, what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm with you. I'm compared, with you. To, it's compared to imagery, people that sing in all, a lot of people obviously would aim to sing in all caps because it's big. And then yeah. there's the people that sing in cursive, isn't there? Which is the most. I sing with like words. a capital letter, then a little letter, then a capital letter, and then a little letter. Holds up sport. Yeah, you sing sarcastically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the thing of like describing certain singers as singing in cursive? Yeah, like Mariah Carey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Michael Stipe, not one of those. Not that. Not Singing in full lowercase. He's lower not case, afraid and to he's, go all caps. And he's though. turned those the font. O's are yeah, true. He's turned the font O's. down from 10 to 9 as well on the verse. Yeah. Well, oh, it's, it's a lovely nice, size, isn't it? Isn't it? It's Good a size. nice size, 9. I think it's about homesickness. Home, homesickness from being on tour. I think he talks about how a vacation in Athens is calling him and how he left his soul at home. And the last line of the Heaven is Yours chorus is Heaven is Yours Where I Live, I think. Do you, do you, it gets a bit tricky. Do you think he's singing about a vacation in Athens calling him from the line when he says vacation in Athens is calling me? Yes. That's, yeah? that's what I was getting at. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. To be and, honest then, with you. and then you've got the bridge. That's uh, I'm moving too fast. Where's my new address? So yeah, that, that tracks. Yes, and the backing vocals. I think at, some, at one point sing. It's so far. It's so dark. I'm so lost. Mm. Which is you know sad. And and the, the idea of a letter never sent is quite a sad one as well. I think like yeah. if you've written a letter to someone, maybe you've put emotions, you've put thoughts in that, then you just never send it, and the person never knows what's in that letter. But you know, you know, you've written it down. You've gotten it out. But that person doesn't need to know that you've kind of purged those things. I, w- I wonder if there's a degree of lost love in there somewhere. But it's more of that, more of that yearning, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I more darkly imagined it as a letter someone wrote and then never sent it because they died. Lovely. Yeah. Mm. Why not? Why not? Why not? Water watch. The water's receiving me now. Water watch. Thank you very much. Which I think is a beautiful line. The water is receiving me now is lovely. Oh, I'm oh. going to say that next time I dive into a pool. <laughs> the water is <laughs> receiving me. <laughs> Tiny splash, apparently. Well done. I'm good at, I'm, no, I'm that's good what, at diving. I, I, do, I, do, want, I, do, I do a really good clean dive. and it As minimal in. splosh as possible, correct. When I dive into a pool, uh, all you can hear is oh, just a little nice. drop. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's, that makes good. me uncomfortable. It, it makes good. me uncomfortable. Did you though, know? Weird. I saw a TikTok about this the other day. You know, in di- you know diving, big diving. Yeah. You know, big big diving from the big. Oh yeah, no, I know what you're going to talk about. I'm diving. convinced we have the same algorithm. Yeah, I know, what you do, I know what you're going to talk about. The water, you talk about the jets. Yeah, the little jets that spray yeah. the water, and it's like, what are they for? It's so the water is constantly moving because from up high you can't. Otherwise, if the water was too still, they wouldn't be necessarily see be able to judge the height and so they wouldn't be able to do their rotation it'd fuck up their yeah. is, it, is it not, they need not to make the water less solid because <laughs> <laughs> if it's moving and it's frothy it's easier to go in isn't it it's not a yeah, frothing it's got some gentle weight if it's just flat you know it's like custard isn't it you'd fucking hit that like concrete <laughs> concrete custard doesn't <laughs> there is those materials there isn't there well, there's yeah like, custard no, it's not custard. custard. custard we, all one of those, exactly. we all watched Brainiac. Exactly. We all watched Brainiac. We all watched Mythbusters, Lucas. It's not custard. A, I never watched though. either of those two shows. They made a, they made the paddling pool full of custard, Lucas, and it does that thing. They did. I saw it. I saw yeah. it with my own face. Yeah, I saw it with Adam's face. <laughs> so, so you're going to be my face? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if yeah. I were to be your camera. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so it's, it's fine. Yeah, perfect. It's sort of the next song, isn't it? It's fade up, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> From the inside room When the front room green becomes your special book It was simple then When the party lows If we fall by the 
the um there's trying to be a camera is another example of like that's peak Michael Stipe vocal you know yes that's a very Michael Stipe melody and delivery yeah yeah um if you had asked me to sing this before we started covering it for the podcast don't know that I would have been able to not right. sure I have much cognition of this song at all now it's one of my favorite things on the album um I think it's I think this is fan bloody tastic what do you guys think initially a uh, bit of a low light um it's bloody slow in it it's bloody slow and boring it's no, just I, one of the I, slow ones no so. I, originally yeah it was just like okay cool like we i want to have fun with reckoning but this has a lot to it i think it's a very slow build and it loses me slightly uh but that the build up and like, i like where the song ends up is really quite worth the wait and i was gonna I, say you've got to be all over that last chorus yeah love surely that. lovely yeah, yeah so lovely and i i kind of do appreciate the dip in energy uh but i think it is a bit too much for what i consider quite a fun album um but as a as as a standalone song i think it's really nice really nice yeah. that's my critical analysis is it in it's in it's nice I this was absolutely a low light for me. It was like I found it to be the the, the dip that I didn't want because, like Steve, I was like, this album mostly is quite upbeat and, and a good time. And then it's one where, on reading the lyrics and reading what the lyrics were about, the melancholy then made sense and it kind of gave it a bit more context and made it. It's not. I mean, it doesn't really make me enjoy the actual, you know, sound of the song any much more. But at least makes me go, oh, I can see why it's it's melancholy. You can that's fine. Like it gives it a bit more context, which then makes it a better, you know, it's doing it a bit better. I would also say the opening. Yeah, it feels appropriate. That's yes. Better word than me. Also the opening sounds like, um, Nirvana, which obviously are very influenced by REM later. Right. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like Kurt, like that. Very, very, very Nirvana who also melancholy. Yeah, what famously, Nirvana? Famously, a bit of a downer. <laughs> famously, yeah. bit of a downer. Yeah. <laughs> Cheer up, Nirvana. Yeah. They so, didn't. so they the didn't. song is about Carol Levi, uh, a friend of the band, once a photographer for the band, and I've seen some suggest once a girlfriend of Michael Stipe, but I don't know. She died in a car crash in the spring of 1983, and this is their tribute to her. You know, camera. She was their photographer. Obviously, a sad song. Seems to again have a narrative visiting the funeral, uh, signing the book, and asking the question, like, once this party, once this is over, will you be remembered? And then it seems to kind of dip into memories uh, a little bit later on. And I, But I just, I love, love, love the chorus. I think R.E.M. are really good at yearning and longing, and there's a soaring aspect to the chorus. And even though it's sad, it does lift apart from the rest of the song, um, alone in a crowd, a borrowed lantern bartered. If I'm to be your camera, then who will be your face? Now, I think that's a wonderful line. The the idea of like if if he's going to be experiencing the things that she no longer can, if he's going to be the camera from now on, then who is in those experiences with him? Because it's no longer going to be her. Um, if I'm to be your camera, then who will be your face? Uh, I love that line and. Stipe's vocal delivery on it is is really really good. Um, that last chorus where 
he changes the delivery of, of, of the chorus. It goes up a little bit and he changes the melody. I'm to be your camera. Not a very good singer, but that that bit is just, it's magical to me. And that's obviously the chorus where all the harmonies come in as well. And it's and it's interesting because the producers made him do something that he did not like to do, which was to do lots and lots of takes over and over and over again until the producers felt they had it. And he obviously got into a bit of a zone there, even though he wasn't really that comfortable. And I guess sometimes that's what you need. Um, Mitch Easter said it was because the vocal was so exposed that technical imperfections or something not quite right with the pitch would show. Um, and he's right, like, the vocal here is mixed so much higher than you would be expecting from REM at this point, you know. And there are some lines that aren't quite on pitch, but the emotion of them is in there. So they kind of compromised on the take that they felt was the last one. I think Stipe refused to continue once they had the take that they ultimately ended up with. Um I, yeah, it's just such an emotive song. And Lucas, I think you're right. Like, I, it didn't click with me until I knew what it was about. Yeah. Uh, it completely changed the song for me. There's a line, though, that I don't, um, I feel like I must be miss, I'm like not smart enough to get what he's saying because it sounds s- harsh, which is the, when the party lulls, if we fall, uh, fall by the, if we fall by the side, will you be remembered? Will she be remembered? Sounds like you could read that as like that's a bit savage about someone that you've liked and respected to say like will they be remembered like i don't know it feels well here's here's a conversation i was having with someone the other day actually about our mutual friend who passed away joe um which is like we are the last people that are going to remember her i think you know once once we fall by the wayside once we're gone her memory is probably dead as well well that's I'm not saying just the three of us yeah, i mean that's I'm true of, our generation yeah, i mean that's true of like most i mean especially somebody obviously dies yeah. young because there's not been another generation's worth of people to know of them doesn't have kids you know the ki- the grandkids won't know that that person has has died do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's there's a cease of the lineage there and I, ha- I had that thought for the first time the other day which i thought was interesting but i think that's what he's getting at is that when we're gone when we fall by the wayside Will you be remembered past Oh, yeah, that? I see. Yeah, yeah I don't think yeah, he's yeah. necessarily saying well, this person specifically. Immediately after the funeral. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she be remembered? Who was that for? Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, I uh, yeah, it is, it's, obviously it's true of everyone, isn't it? Like the thing of, the, you know, there's the classic saying, isn't there? The you die twice, once when yep. you die, and the other when the last person ever says your name. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think loads of people yeah. will be saying Steve for all, like, it's a really common yeah. name, isn't it? The thing is, right, this is going to be on the internet forever. We're going to live forever. And actually, uh, us talking about Jo means she, she lives on. We're actually yeah. putting her in the head of thousands of other people. No, but also, and also you say that, True. though, uh, uh, at some point this will get Sars ever download, this show. Oh. Do you know the sad, a sadder one? Not I just this episode, heard. the whole show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be the next time we cover a woman, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> A much sadder one than this podcast being downloaded for the last time is that someone was like, yeah, there, there comes a time when you pick up your child for the last time. Um, oh, so I'm yeah, gonna, you put yeah. them down, you never pick them up again. Yeah. I've, oh, that, yeah. Oh, crying. Oh, that's fine. All, but next, next time I'm we'll gonna see make our sure dads. That, yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to go, yeah. Dad, can you pick me up? <laughs> pick me up. What, why? <laughs> because you're never going to do it one day. And whilst you're still physically capable of lifting me. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a question. There's a question mark even there. 
I, I am getting bigger, so I don't think my dad yeah, could. Don't, not a lot of people alive who could physically lift me up. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon with some support, my dad. I reckon he could hold me for a bit. Yeah. If Do you I, mean like with like some kind of support? like metal exoskeleton? Oh, okay. He won't be able to raise you a few feet off the ground or something. Just a a, hey, like a rugby hey, thing. We yeah. Lift him yeah, up. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, th- I think this. I think this song. You know, I mean, we're you know we're touching on some interesting things as a result of of the stuff that this song is saying and, and considering. Mm. There's also all sorts of wacky stuff going on in like the atmospheric sections of this song. Peter is shaking some bells. Mike is kind of stabbing away on a on a vibraphone. Bill is running his finger around the rim of a glass, oh. and Michael is ripping a t-shirt uh, a few times. And it's like they saved all of their avant-garde studio stuff for just that section of this track because right. they don't really do stuff like that on the rest of the album. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the track on Spotify, or at the beginning of the next track on a different edition of the album, or just in between the tracks on a vinyl, is, is a little bit of music. There's a little bit of a, a connecting interstitial bit of music. The next track is maybe the most country that we've heard oh. R.E.M. go so far. And the little snippet is them getting in the mood uh, before doing a take oh, okay. of the country song. So here we go. Honestly, what on earth? All right. All right. Looking at your watch the time, waiting in the station for the bus. Going to places far so far away, and if that's not. Have done, but you've got to get to the whole chorus and everything. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear my take that finally get me cancelled? Oh yeah, go on. Well, this, like, I mean, yes, it's it's aggressively country, but it's like it's got that kind of classic '60s songwriting, pop pop '60s stuff going on, and 
if you were to put some distortion on this song and sped it up a bit, a lot of early Green Day sounds like this. A band who I hold firm that are far more interesting than their latest stuff and general opinion of them would let on. But their earlier stuff has like vin- vintage, almost 60s feel to some of it. Um, I'm not saying playing kind of like because they're not... like garage rock, right? Like 60s garage rock. Yeah, kind yeah. Of what a, Green Day were doing. Yeah. A bit, but like, but it, some, some of it sounds like this. And, and it doesn't, I'm not going to say play this because it sounds like it. I'm not, it's not what I'm saying. saying. You've got, got an example to whip out? But like, if you check out like Worry Rock or Redundant off Nimrod, for example, it, it, it's got this kind of feel to it. I just found it really interesting that that's where my brain went. And I'm not saying, oh my God, this sounds like Green Day. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting how Green Day chose to do a style that REM were like doing in the 80s to to kind of ape something that was coming from earlier on. Um, I would like to speak on that. Please uh, do, yeah. If I may. I think this is full country mode, obviously. Mm. Um, it's a song they'd had for ages, like Pretty Persuasion. And originally, Steve, this was played in a similar style to Pretty Persuasion. It was fast and punky right. with distorted guitars. Okay. It was much faster. Uh, so it fit into that garage rock thing that you are hearing. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even in contention for the album. In right. no way was it in contention for the album. Mitch Easter and Don Dixon had to really convince them just to record Pretty Persuasion. They were like, it's old, we don't really want to be doing that. But their legal advisor, Bertis Downs, was gutted that this, this song wasn't going to be on it because he loved this one in its faster, punkier rendition. It was like his favourite one. So R.E.M. decided to record a take for him. And as a joke, because Bertis Downs loved country music, and to prove that it definitely wasn't going to be on the album, they did a slow country version for him. Right. And then they realised that it was great, right. and it's the version that ends up on God the album. The, th- the, the thing that you hear before the song starts is them getting ready to do a, a country song. They're like, we need to get in the mood to do like a country song. Yeah. Because it's just them kind of fucking around. It's them doing like a bit of a joke. And then they played this and went, oh, actually, should, should we make it the best song on the album? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting that it makes Steve think of Green Day. Uh, Adam, you're probably going to tell me I'm wrong. It makes me, th- makes, makes me think of Bruce Springsteen. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's country-tinged yeah. Americana that is concerned with longing and yearning. And has, piano. like, it's got, the like, and it's got, like, uh, like blue-collar imagery as well, because it's talking about working at a factory. Yeah. It makes me think, yeah. yeah, immediately I think of The Boss. Absolute Steve Bate. Yeah, yeah. Absolute Adam Bate co-opt so much of that classic Springsteen imagery, the open road, obviously, and traveling far away. And yeah, small town America, factories, dead ends. Love it. At night, I drink myself to sleep and pretend I don't care that you're not here with me. Mm, oh, working on a dream. What, what, yeah. yeah, I'm working on a dream. <laughs> um, this is another one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. So uh, another of my favorite R.E.M. Wow, songs cool. as well. Um, I'd be interested to hear the faster, punkier version of it. Just yeah, see. there isn't a version of it. They just never recorded it. Not even it. live. They, they didn't boot- live do it. Like There might be a bootleg somewhere, but I couldn't find anything on YouTube. Um, I think the melodies are incredible. The chorus is hugely big and uh, largely soaring and all Bigly of that huge. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, verses again. A- verses are better. I love the verses. I love it all. Uh, it's about convincing a girlfriend not to leave and go back to her hometown. And there's descriptions of this dead end town, all false. Uh, and the narrator also seems kind of sad and bitter, potentially true. 
And it's a different kind of lyrics when compared to the rest of the album, right? This is not collage in any way. Yeah. This is pure narrative. And that's because it's not written by Michael Stipe. Really? The, the whole song, from tip to tail, arrangement and lyrics, was written in one night by Mike Mills. And that is why we are the internet's primary artificial Mike Mills podcast. Because <laughs> when he writes a song, it's like this. Uh, yeah. Um, he knew nothing about Rockville, so he invented this dingy little town. So it's not strictly true. It doesn't really matter. As a song, it's, it's great, you know. I was singing for ages, Don't Go Back to Nothing. Until I remembered the title of the song. Steve, did you not even look at the title, Exactly, mate? I, know. To look I know. Title Steve, title. Didn't even look at the title, mate. Didn't even look yeah. at the Well, because I only read parentheses. I can't read outside of them. Oh, right. Okay. So-, <laughs> so I read Don't Go Back To and saw nothing else. So I was singing nothing. Yeah, fair. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, I just, I love this. Just got to get this. So much. It's, I mean, if they had an album full of this, though, oh, R.E.M. would yeah. be a very different band, though. You The... What people think of REM as would be a very different uh, affair. Well, Adam's reaction yeah. there, Lucas, has ruined my dreams that they don't go country at one point. So, uh, what's the point in this season? They absolutely do. Like, oh, they, okay. Not not on like a whole album, but Ooh. this vibe crops up for the next 20 years. Yes, please. 100%. So there's enough yeah, there yeah. that you could make an REM country album if you wanted to. You could do like a country oh, yeah. uh, compilation. Yeah, I reckon so. Um, we were talking about REM focusing on bridges. And this bridge is the one for me. This, it, the bridge in this song is one of my favourite things ever. Uh, and the end of it features maybe my favourite moment on the album uh, where when everything pauses and then Stipe's vocal brings everything back in. I'm just going to play the whole bridge for you because it's great. It's not Line dancing, <laughs> and I'm in a saloon. So good. Peter Buck's guitar sounds amazing in that bit as well. Um, when it's played live in later years, Mike Mills took the lead vocals. Oh, great! Uh, which was nice. Always a lovely Wait, moment does, in, uh, what does in concerts. Michael Stipe do then? Because he doesn't play any instruments. Dance the harmonies. So he just oh, yeah. does the harmonies, right? Yeah, and dances. Yeah, yeah. He dances. He dances. Of course, he dances. Of course, he has to dance. Yeah, does yeah. he do a line Absolutely. dance? Does he get his boots on? Do a little. <laughs> yeah. do a little <laughs> he does the full get up. Oh right! They all get up on stage. Belt. They all do a little yeah. in sync oh, line no. dance. I tell you what, though, that's how uh, Mike Mills starts dressing. Uh, like when you get to like nineties REM, he, he is like full like uh, cowboy hat, um, and you know those classic like western jackets that have like the tassels and stuff yeah. on them yeah he dresses like that but it's all sequined oh my god well, yeah we'll get the the, the 90s REM is uh, a big deal um ah okay well l- last track on the album uh little america
is almost like a classic rock and roll on the road it's kind it, of song it's still a little bit yeehaw yeah, yeah. well it's rem they're from georgia they Everything talk they about a little bit they yeehaw. talk about wagons yeah. <laughs> that's a good point yep. that's such a good point and horses which are american things are aren't there they? horses in there? They're cart, all american do, thing. do they say cart full of horse because that's that's it that doesn't mean be. sounds like something doesn't it there can't be the lyrics there's, though. Someone there's, I'm going to have a look it up. It's going to be something else, isn't it? <laughs> Hang on. Um, <laughs> the lyrics were written whilst on tour and kind of play like snapshots of America as you're travelling around it by car. Um, and it seems to mention to me like a decaying America, uh, a loss of older ways. Like as as much as it is kind of one of the faster, more punky sort of things on the album, there's a sadness in lines like, who will tend the farm museums? who will dust today's belongings, asking, like, who is looking after relics and who will look after the things that we own today when they become relics in the future, Um, which I think is an interesting notion. And then he lists things. They pass uh, numerous times as America kind of blurs into one and seems smaller. I think he says something about another town called Greenville, another magic mart. Like, it's just turning into a smaller country. It's a little America. Jeff has grabbed your fiddle. Jeff has grabbed your fiddle. Yeehaw. So that's, that's, there, is there a yeehaw in it? No, but it's very um, yeehaw to have a fiddle. It is. Of course. Um, that, that's, that's reference to their manager, right? Uh, the chorus ends mostly with Jefferson, I think we're lost. And Jefferson Holt is their manager who would drive the tour van. So it's, it's a literal reference to them kind of touring. But there's also a sense of decay or fall from grace for America there. Um how how did it how did it play for you guys? How did it play for you guys as a closing track to the album? Good. good I energy. don't don't like it as a closer. Oh. I don't think it does a whole lot for me in general, no, to be honest. I think wrong. I think it's maybe one of the more inconsequential oh. songs on the album. Oh, um, you shit idiot. You're such a wrong uh, idiot, aren't you? <laughs> but in, in on, on Lucas's side of it doesn't do much of a thing. Yeah, it does. Like, yeehaw. It does yeehaw. I think, right. I think it's a good sound to end the record on. It has the jangle to it, but it also has the harder edge to it. Um, that riff is great if you want to call it a riff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a bit of the fucking riff. Riff. That's cool, right? And it comes out with like proper feedback. There's those hi hats. Oh, yeah, those sixteenth <laughs> notes are ridiculous. It's like a gallop. Yeah. Um, um, but also, the only thing that links 
a lot of these lyrics on the album is that they were written by Michael Stipe in quite a short space of time. And so he was taking images and inspiration from his life and situation at the time of writing. And a lot of that time was spent on the road traveling around America. So the last song being like a neat summation of him traveling around America is quite nice, I think. I still I still like the song. I think that for yeah. me, I don't remember this song. Um, Interesting. It's one, the ones that, it's one of the yeah. ones I absolutely remember. Yeah. 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 Uh, it doesn't say a cart full of horse because that would make no what sense, it? would it? It's the biggest wagon is the empty wagon is the noisiest. The console, a horse. Well, that makes more sense, doesn't it? Um, apparently, oh, that's, now it's clear. Apparently, that is a reference <laughs> to the Roman emperor. Cal- allegedly oh, yeah. appointed a horse as his consul, a position of political authority. He was also allegedly quite insane. And of course, I'm always thinking <laughs> about the Roman Empire. Uh, oh, yeah. Because yeah, I'm a you're... cunt. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't vibe with the whole like, Americana imagery, though, of the song, of something about a Roman emperor. So you know what? That's bollocks. That's not. Yeah. That's bollocks. <laughs> what the song? Uh, I would say. I would say that he's probably talking about like uh, the kind of uh, the degradation of your mental state on tour. I reckon if you're gonna elect a horse, uh, your council, then uh, yeah, maybe he's just drawing a line there. Well, also, apparently, Little America is a sprawling rest stop along Interstate 80 in Wyoming. It's like a. And I, I looked it oh, up. It's, it's like a, a real really place. big into like a uh, rest stop services as oh, we cool. call them here. Yeah, the service, service station. station. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's like advertised for many miles in either direction. It's like a, it's like a landmark almost. That like, you, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's somewhere you stop. Uh, the title was originally Big Little America. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's, if that's interesting to you. Uh, yeah, that's interesting how we've come on different, uh, come down on different uh, takes on that one just at the end. I, you know, I think it's a nice little ending. It's not actually quite the end though. There's a little something. Right? There's a little business. There's a little bit. There's just a little bit of classic business. This. <laughs> this is REM. <laughs> It's the band just fucking around, and um, it's like a sound collage. Uh, it's constructed by the producers, Mitch Easter and Don Dixon, from little bits of tape, making loops, editing, editing them together. The band liked it enough and thought it was weird enough. They're like, well, we'll put that at the end of the album. There's not much more to that bit of music than that. Right. Um, on today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about Buzzsprout, the user-friendly podcast hosting for non-techie people. I think that if this podcast has achieved anything, it's showing that literally anybody can start a podcast. Do you need any previous experience? No. Do you need top-of-the-range audio equipment? No. Do you need entertaining or insightful content? Absolutely not. But there is one thing that you will need, and that's podcast hosting, or somewhere to store your podcast and deliver them to all of those podcast places like the one where you're listening to this now so if you're thinking about starting a podcast just do it we here at big mates enterprises use buzzsprout to host and publish our podcast because it's the best and easiest way to launch promote and track your podcast your show can be online and listed on all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording that's Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Podcast Addict. The list goes on and on. 
The other thing we've found is that not only do you get useful and easy to understand statistics about how well your podcast is doing, but also that the support team is super helpful with somebody always on hand to answer questions and help our podcast succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message to the world, and you'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your podcasts, and much, much more. But wait, because the more is now. (laughs) Because if you follow the link in our show notes, when you sign up, it lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you. And do you know what that gets you? $20 worth of credit when you sign up for a paid plan, and that warm feeling in your stomach knowing that not only are you on your way to podcast greatness, but that you've helped support this show too. So if you're starting your podcast, or you're looking to move your podcast, use Buzzsprout and follow our link in the show notes. Back to the episode. That's the end of the album. What did you guys make of Reckoning by R.E.M.? Better interesting better than the last and also the ep although that's not really that surprising it's better than the ep is that because it's just more accessible to you yes all of the above the better energy you know good energy good energy just more 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 bops like you say you said like sometimes you just want some bops like yeah this isn't something that i'm going to like remember a lot of the context of or you know it's not going to have some like this album isn't going to be held in some regard to me in the way that certain Manix albums have like a thing, you know, they've got like a thing about them that's their, yeah. their thing. Um, this is just a bunch of bops that will make a playlist of other bops, you know? Uh, but there's plenty of them. They're mostly bops is the thing. That's what's good. It's just a, bu- it's just a bunch of good songs. Like you said, it's just kind of a bunch of good songs. Yeah. And that's and kind like said, of fine, it- right? Yeah. Even if it is just a collection of good songs, at least it's not a collection of bad songs. I guess like yeah, overall it's 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 like I won't go back and listen to it as an album, really. I mean, hey, I've just got too much other bloody bollocks to listen to that I can't ever do that busy. ever again. Yeah. Um, bloody bollocks. Uh but a bunch of these songs, like of the last album, I don't really know if there's much of anything that will make any kind of Lucas's REM playlist. I've now got the beginnings yeah. of that playlist through this album. Because mm, there's, right. I don't know, four or five that will easily make the playlist, and it's only a 10 track album. That's, so that's quite high. Yeah, that's yeah. nearly 50%. So, like, I've got my list for, um, for highlights, and it's five of the songs, and I wasn't sure which one. Yeah. I, oh, wow. I've, I wrote Harbour Coat, So Central Rain, Second Guessing, uh, Don't Go Back to Rockville, and Little America as my maybes for highlights. Wow, that's cool. And I think I think it might be Yeehaw. I think it might be Rockville and Little America. Oh, the the, the, the closing two. Let's get a Little America actually. Yeah, it's probably All right, let's yeah, calm sure. down now. Let's calm down. <laughs> Everyone it, calm down. I think it mm, mm. Se- which one's second guessing again? Yeah, there's the Rocky short one. That, yeah. that one's pretty good. Maybe second guessing and don't go back to Rockville. Cool. Low lights would be the two that were a dip in energy. So time after time and camera, even though contextually camera has a bit more to it, it's still a dip in the Fair. energy of the piece. And in terms of a score, uh, five is bang average. Yep. Yep. Seven is good. Right? That's right. Yes. 
What, six again? Six is fine. Decent. 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 Decent nuts. Uh, I'll probably give it 6.5. Oh, that's a that's quite a big step up from Murmur, actually, isn't it? What did I give yeah. Murmur? Five. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. I, I, I want it to be a notable bump over Murmur, so that's good. Fair, 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 fair. Steve, give, give me your thoughts on uh, Reckoning by, by R.E.M. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Um, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's really catchy. It's a really nice vibe. There's some really great stuff in there. There are a couple of moments that maybe lose me a bit, and that's unfortunately the slower ones, but like, I think the sequencing's really great there. Um, I just think it's, it's kind of really good, isn't it? Um, so uh, but I'll, do, I'll do lowlights and highlights now, and then I've got some stuff. To, to sort out. Oh, of course. You okay. teased at the beginning of the first episode that okay. we might have some stuff. Got yeah, some stuff okay. to sort out. Some any other business. Um, low lights. I'm going to go time after time, and Little America. Sure. And highlights. On Mench, Seven Chinese no. Brothers, and don't go back to no. Rockville. No, I'm doing no, it. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. Highlights. I can edit it out. Mate. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, and the highlights are A Letter Never Sent and uh, Southern Central Rain, I think. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I reckon. So here's the thing. Here's okay. something. I really, really we nearly like... Got, we nearly got through a whole recording session without anybody doing it. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's something. I, I really, really like Reckoning. Um, and I really, really like Murmur. I think, I think Murmur is, because I've been, yeah, like I said, I've been listening to this alongside it, because there was something about Murmur that I, I knew I liked, but I hadn't given it enough time, um, and I, I, I think it's more interesting than I gave it credit for, and all the stuff of bands didn't sound like this chucked in, with an extra little bit of time and familiarity with the album, especially alongside this, because I think I like these albums the same for different reasons. I think Murmur right. has a lot more uh, interesting stuff going on, and this is a little bit more catchy. So I think I, I think Murmur's maybe a better album, but I, pref- but I, I like this a bit more than it. And it's that kind of balance going on. And then I was like, so right, okay, so what do I think of this album? And I've got a score for this album, but then I like Murmur the same. So I'm like, well, they've got to be the same score. So I'm upping Murmur to eight point five. From seven, wow. and and I and reckoning's also Lucas's face, and reckoning will also be an eight point five. And I think wow. that means I need to give REM more spins than I've been doing for other bands because I don't think they're necessarily as immediate. Do you ever have that thing where an album will just suddenly like unlock? And what I'll notice is that there's one listen I do, and I'm like, I, I suddenly realise I'm singing along, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in. Like it, it and. When when we did Murmur the first time around, that never happened. Um, so this time I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's like it's it's definitely familiarities in there, but um, but like yeah, so like I'm now absolutely and firmly into this season. I'm enjoying this because <laughs> I think I'm really like on board now. Um, but it, it's made me kind of listen to things a bit different, and I quite like the idea of listening to the album before alongside with it with the new one um yeah big scores big big old jump from last week 
not last week. Big but... scores, man. That does that does some stuff, and uh, yeah, that does some stuff. What that, it does that... is worry me that they're going to decline. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I think I'm I'm, I'm not going to tell you you know Cause, one cause, way or the other. Because is it boring to think that an uh, a an artist's first two albums are really great? <laughs> Not uh, that's that is typically you're on the. I think you are on the standard REM journey here. I think a lot okay. of people are like the first. The first two are great. Okay, you know, um, uh, it's. I did the same thing as you. I listened to Murmur a lot this, yeah. this, this past three weeks when we should have been listening to Reckoning, but it just meant that I listened to Reckoning like even more. Um, and I thought we were going to save it for like the end of Act One kind of thing that we're going to do. But I'll do the same thing as you know. I'll just pop my murmur score up to a ten, yeah. Because that really did just—it really popped in yeah. in sort of like in in comparison to reckoning and in listening to it further and thinking back on our discussions about it. Really, just raised in my estimations, and I was already close to the ten. Yeah. Last, uh, you last can week think anyway. of a reason why, right? Um, yeah, and exactly. The re- and, and the reason I did think about like doing it at the end of the, this the, the section, um, but I think it's so it was so linked to reckoning. The reason why Murmur's gone up is because of reckoning that I had to kind of mention it here, and yeah. I wonder if that's why you've done the same thing. But yeah, yeah, for me it was that reckoning was so much more immediate. Yeah, that I then realised like, well, this album is fucking great, but Murmur is now doing things that are also now so much more interesting than this. Do you yes, know what I mean? That and so yeah. I and so I have to bump it up a little bit, um, because because where Murmur was kind of enigmatic and mysterious in sound as well as its its sort of songwriting, Reckoning is much clearer. It's much more concise. It's much more immediate. It has this real kind of propulsive energy for a lot of it, not all of it. And the songwriting is equally as complex. Like Peter Buck's guitar is still wonderfully like twisty. There's all those interweaving melodies that, that come from the way that the guitar interacts with the vocals and how that interacts with the backing vocals and how all of that interacts with Mike Mills' amazing bass lines. All of that complexity is still there, which is much more upfront on Reckoning. And it's kind of held back from you a little bit on Murmur. And you have to kind of dive into it and peel back other things to get to what they're doing on Murmur that is so special. For me, I still rate Murmur higher than Reckoning, I think. That like I think that slight loss of ethereality on Reckoning, the loss of the air of mystery, ultimately for me, makes it a less interesting proposition. But not by much. Uh, because I think this is actually a bit easier to to grab hold of. It's catchier than Murmur, right? It's a bit more energetic. It's a bit more in your face. And Murmur has more to unwrap. But again, not by much, because I think Stipe's writing on Reckoning is very, very strong. You can unwrap all these layers of metaphor, and that rubs rubs up against their songwriting abilities really nicely. Uh, Just in general, in general, it seems to amount to less than Murmur did as a whole piece. But the individual bits of Reckoning are still really great, I think. And it's just a simpler album, you know, which is why I think it's not as unique as Murmur. But it is also probably the reason that American alternative rock goes on to sound more like Reckoning than it does sound like Murmur. So actually, maybe Reckoning is was even more influential uh, in some ways, which surprised me to some degree. I do think it's somewhat of a lesser album, uh, but not to the degree that I had assumed it was coming into it. I think it's a great record. Lowlights are really tricky, because I like all of them. Somewhere around... I've got four 
well, no, I've got time after time. <laughs> time yeah. after time is a low light for me, yeah. even though I like it. And then I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like choosing between three, which is Seven Chinese Brothers, Second Guessing, or Letter Never Sent. And I don't know. I don't. I I think I'm going to go Seven Chinese Brothers as a low light, which is mental because I think that's a great song. It's just um, it's not as great as some of the other songs on the album for me personally. My highlights are Southern Central Rain. I'm sorry, and don't go back to Rockville. Uh, and I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Basically, okay. I just think it's such a solid, great album. Um, those scores are very interesting, including the rejig scores for Murmur. That's a fascinating turn of events. Mm. Um, this album was actually released a little bit earlier in the UK than it was in the US. It was it was released on April the 17th in the US and April the 9th in the UK. And because Murmur was released much later in the UK than it was in the US, it meant that the gap between albums in the UK was very small. Murmur was like August 29th, 1983, and Reckoning was April 9th, 1984. So it's like less than eight months apart. Um, in the US... The album reached number one on the college radio airplay charts very quickly. That was their primary audience base. They were ready for the album. Um, Still not loads of action from commercial radio or MTV, um, but instead of waiting around for commercial radio to pick up on the underground success they were having and then maybe play it eventually, as was tradition in the music industry, IRS Records were a little bit more aggressive and would direct radio programmers to the critical praise surrounding the album. And it worked to some degree, because when South Central Rain was released as a single in May, so a month after the album was out, the single went to number 85 on the Billboard Hot 100. Um... And around the same time, the album went to 27 on the Billboard 200 Albums chart and stayed in that chart for almost a year. It was in the top 200 for almost a year. That is remarkably high for a college rock band at that time. Um, The same can't really be said of uh, their success outside of the US of A. Not much radio play, not great distribution, not hugely marketed. So in the UK, the album peaks at number 91 and then quietly goes away. Uh, Don't Go Back to Rockville is the second single, released in August 1984, and it charts absolutely nowhere anywhere in the world. Right. Um, so similar to Murmur, even in the States. States love a yeehaw, though. I know, they do love a yeehaw. But similar to Murmur, it was not hugely commercially successful, or at least it wasn't hugely commercially successful in the mainstream, you know. The critical response, though, was similar to Murmur. Rolling Stone gave it that four out of ten, uh, four out of five again, saying, uh, while the album may not mark any major strides forward for the band, REM's considerable strengths, Buck's ceaselessly, ceaselessly inventive strumming, Mike Mills' exceptional bass playing, and Stipe's evocatively gloomy baritone remain unchanged. REM's music is able to involve the listener on both an emotional level and an intellectual level. What do we think of that statement? Do we agree with that statement? Yeah, I think so. Does it engage you on an emotional level and an intellectual level? It's not necessarily the way that I, you know, do Would music. Phrase it. That's the thing. Where it's, where <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not that I don't agree with it. It's just that it's not really referring to people like me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not really yeah. how I <laughs> yeah, absorb music. So I can't really say, like, yes, it does or no, it doesn't. Because for me, no, but like, don't, don't use me as the brommer, mate. Right? Yeah, yeah, true. Adam, it probably does, I'd imagine. Yeah. 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 Yeah, certainly, certainly grabbing me by my emotional balls. 
but yeah, um, sure. because of the way we're listening to REM, because of this, I'm I'm certainly grasping for what the lyrics could mean and all this kind of stuff. And so I think there's an intellectual side to them, even if you're getting wrapped up in the mystery of it. Absolutely, all. yeah, and 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 yeah. further away from the <laughs> don't you can't you not understand what he says? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like cool. I don't care. Cool. I think that's quite. It's quite a um a surface level criticism that we are past now on this podcast as mm. well. Like we're getting stuck into stuff, but I think the criticism of just like, oh, you can't understand what he says is pretty surface level, isn't it? It's yeah. pretty like, doesn't really scratch much below the surface. Um, interestingly though, that Rolling Stone review also said, Stipe's erratic meanderings will prevent REM from transcending their cult status. Mm. Well, and we know that that's wrong, yeah. don't we? Because they become... Because no, they get smaller yes no that, oh no no lucas they get much much bigger they become one of the biggest <laughs> bands in the world what? they what? become one of the biggest selling pop bands of all time what on that do you see the route there yet no okay cool <laughs> yeah no i mean i do in terms of like there's no giant singles yet is there i i know what you mean yeah. like as much as i re- i really love these two albums like yeah <laughs> but no at no point have i said i don't get why they are popular and fill stadiums i've said i don't no, no, i've no. said that it's adam being so into them that is the surprise to me i can see that this band will continue to make good pop rock songs and then they'll make enough good pop rock songs that they'll get popular but that's because you know that and they'll be able to fill a stadium but like again i always use them as an example of normal band foo fighters i've just got a bunch of pretty normal pop rock songs and they fill stadiums. I wonder if Foo Fighters would have been as popular if Dave Grohl was not in Nirvana, though. There is also, of course, that. But, you know. Yes. Um, yeah, but you could also say the same about Michael Stipe and whether he was in Pissing Cans or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, his fo- it's his former glories in Cans of Piss yeah. that yes. really oh, yeah. pushed uh, R.E.M. No, but what I mean level. is, like, yeah, that, 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 that <laughs> I don't doubt. Like, there's plenty of just, like, bands that just, like, make good, good enjoyable songs and they'll they'll be popular yep. like that's fine it's the fact that adam who is flanderized to being the the academic of the podcast being <laughs> sound like stewie from family guy being so into academic them. uh are we closer to that yet are we closer to unlocking that at all a little bit right a little bit more but it's still mostly it's, uh, no, it's becoming clear that you like the most because vibes <laughs> Yeah, but that's no. Come on, I've talked a lot about songwriting on this one and lyrical imagery and yeah, but like the, I say, cross, but the, the cross is, point between sixties pop and punk. But that's the thing like about that. lyrical imagery. It's imagery. It's vague. It's not. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not academic. It is vibes essentially. Yeah, yeah. But I'm all vibes. Do you yeah, remember I when d- we did the Adam Bait episode and I played that Paolo Nutini song for you? And you were like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, this confused me. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think of you as being vibes. I think of you as reading vibes a book. These days. I think if you, you listen all to vibes. an album and you go, cool, what book can I read that can complement this album? All vibes, man. Um, anyway, for this album, I can't find many reviews that uh, are below an 8 out of 10. Uh, Lucas is I just did a on. trailblazer. Yeah, absolute trailblazer. There's a few 9s, there's a few 10s. Uh, the Washington Post said that the songs on Reckoning Trump even murmurs outstanding songwriting, adding that there isn't an American band worth following more than R.E.M., uh, the enemy said Reckoning confirms R.E.M. as one of the most beautifully exciting groups on the planet. In the world. Uh, it, it placed on a whole bunch of those end of year lists that we see. I think it's stood the test of time in some ways. It's it's not 
it's not singled out as much as Murmur because Murmur is very impressive for a debut. And I think I kind of summed up my thoughts on on that album anyway. Reckoning maybe has more of an influence on how alternative rock actually ends up sounding. You said you can hear bits of the Manics in there or whatever. You can hear bits of Nirvana in there. Um, you know, uh, yeah, that's very an, an important point to take away from this album, I think. Crops up in lists and stuff all the time. It's number 62 in Pitchfork's 100 Best Albums of the 1980s, for instance. It's one of three of the 80s REM albums that, that is in there. Um, around the time of the album's released, I think when the album was done, but just before it came out, Michael Stipe secured funding to make a short film that would accompany the, the entire first half of the album. He was very keen to get involved in the medium of music videos and came up with this uh, concept to use the Whirligig Farm, which was a project by folk artist R.A. Miller. And Stipe hired James Herbert, a filmmaker from Athens, to direct it. It's pretty experimental when compared to the flashy music videos of the early and mid-80s. It features the band walking around a garden, and that's kind of it. Um, It's very kind of film student kind of pretentious kind of stuff um and it it's it's called left of reckoning because it accompanies the first side of the record which was of course called left uh so it's it's the left side of reckoning we will watch it at some point uh so look forward to that mtv only aired a segment of it obviously don't know why they thought they would air a 20 something minute video wait will we watch that when we do the music videos no, we're going to do it as part of a VHS release that they did in the late 80s called Succumbs, uh, which we'll talk more about when we when we get there. Um, so that was done in the gap between the album being finished and the album being released. Also during that time, they weren't touring for the first time in about three years. So the three players, Buck, Berry and Mills, uh, started playing in a covers band called the Hindu Love Gods, <laughs> which also featured Brian Cook and Warren Zevon. You know Warren Zevon? Werewolves of London. Ah, woo! Uh, they played a few times at the 40 Watt Club in Athens. They hired a limousine to drop them there, which is quite funny. <laughs> like trying to make out their big stars. Um, they even recorded a few demos uh, as the backing band for Warren Zevon's album, I think. Um, Warren Zevon, quite a famous American singer-songwriter. Um, and then REM start touring again in March, about a month before the record comes out. A few shows in the US... Then they head to Europe in April for the album release. They play the Marquee Club in London. It's about a 1,000 people, but they play it twice. The UK, quite fond of R.E.M. at this point because they do sound like a British band. You thought they were British initially, Lucas. They have a strangeness that exists in British music. So the press in Britain were very keen on them. I think the band, R.E.M., got fed up of the comparisons to the Smiths. Um... They were like constantly being asked if they took any influence from the Smiths, a band that had started years after R.E.M. had. Uh, and then in June, they returned to America for the Little America tour. They like to name their tours. And their U.S. tour, it's, you know, it's theatres, 1,000, 2,000 people a night. It goes from June to October, which is actually kind of insane. Uh, that is like three to four months of just purely touring America. Um, different set list every night. Uh, it can be difficult to discern exactly what was played each night. Even though we have photos or copies of the set lists, um, they would often call audibles and deviate from what was written on the set list. They're like, hey, let's play this next instead. Um, And then in November 1984, they played some shows in Japan. Then they toured the UK again in that same month. It's just absolutely relentless. And they wrapped up the year 
with a New Year's Eve show going from 1984 to 1985 at the Atlanta Civic Center. So a kind of homecoming show, but it's like a 5,000 capacity theater. So a bit of a bigger deal than usual as a nice cap to the tour and to the year. They played something like 116 shows that year, which is crazy, bearing in mind they started in like March. Um, And then they top that number the following year as well. But we'll leave them there. Um, But the, the position that we leave them in is interesting. They are fully the spearhead of a new musical movement now. Uh, Promoters and club owners up and down the country uh, noticed smaller bands start cropping up that sound and look like R.E.M. The same kind of like thrift shop 60s clothing, the same jangly kind of sound but played at a fast speed. They all cover Radio Free Europe as part of their set. A lot of those bands are non-starters or they make one album and nothing else. They all call themselves the same name. Non-starters. No, that's just a term for bands that don't really get very far. Oh. I don't understand. So they're all, they all just independently of one another just were like non-starters is a good name for a band and that's what they they were yeah and then maybe yes. that's why they didn't get very far yeah i, I didn't realize what he's doing now and he's gonna play along yes Anne. well they all called <laughs> non-starters no actually that's the name for this no stop yeah no the, stop. the reason that they didn't get very far uh, is because they didn't just have they just didn't have the knack for writing catchy and accessible music whereas rem were pretentious and avant-garde and artistically inclined but willing to meet the record industry halfway and make records that would sell they were not fully mainstream but they were a huge cult band almost leaders of like a cult movement they were in an incredibly unique position college rock was popular but it was not as popular as rem you know they kind of became their own genre in that moment they occupied the middle ground that hadn't really been catered to that much before and so that is where we will leave them i would like to dedicate this episode to rog kratis uh what was just a slightly scary name but they are one of our yeah like a bit of a yeah some kind of character from some kind of they're one of our biggest mates subscribers over on patreon which means they get a little episode dedicated to them and yours is Part two of Reckoning. Congratulations, Rog Kratis. Uh, also works all around. About listeners. Kratis Rog. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is also good. Um, oh, what if it's their actual name? I'm going to ask. Yeah, oh, then, we're saying it's, then we're saying it's cool. You sound like a sci-fi villain. It's cool. Yeah, it's yeah, badass. You're right, actually. Yeah. Um, Adam was. Should we have an email? Should we have an email? Oh, go on then. Yeah, go on. Let's have a bloody email. This is from Marissa. Her, uh, who emailed in on the 1st of April last year. Okay. okay. So we're, we're playing catch-up. <laughs> okay. We're playing catch-up a little bit. Okay. Hello, Adam, Lucas, and Steve. Mm. My name's Marissa, and I'm a student studying for my boards this May. Don't really know what that means. I'm uh, still new to this podcast. Thing. It's a medical it thing. Oh. It's like being, like, you're already a doctor. You're even better. Wow, mega doctor. Mega yeah. doctor. Cool. Oh, cool. That's the one thing I've I'm learned still from Grey's need- Anatomy. <laughs> oh, no, come on. I've, se- I've seen you doing um, backstreet surgeries, and I've seen that's all information you got from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Watching Grey's Anatomy, yeah, it's true. Yeah. 
I'm still new to this podcast, says Marissa, and I'm incredibly bad with voices. So if I mention a gag or a bit one of you have done, and I credit to the uh, to the wrong person, I'm sorry. I remember getting into Radiohead by listening to OK Computer because that's the album that seemed most obvious to start with. But everything only ever clicked for me last summer in Sri Lanka when I listened to In Rainbows. It's since been my favourite album ever, and it's managed to immerse me in the rest of the discography as well. So a few weeks ago, when I discovered there was an entire podcast going through Radiohead's entire discography, it felt too good to be true. I started with the episodes on In Rainbows, but now I've decided to start from the very beginning of the Rad In Yo Head season and think it was Lucas who said that In Rainbows was an easier listen than their prior albums, and I agree. I'd never, ever known that the album was about death till I listened to you guys, and now it means a lot more to me than it did before. I'm young, so I guess I don't have a reason to worry so much about death, but I've always deeply feared it once I realised how inevitable it is, and in the tumble of coming to terms with what life is supposed to mean, I suddenly have this wonderful piece of music to help me cope. It's also a little ironic for me that this album about mortality and life was released in 2007, since it happens to be the year I was born. Your podcast has been such a great find for me. I've laughed out loud multiple times on the bus listening to these episodes. I'm currently on the third part of the Benz, and I hope I'm correct, Lucas's bit where he goes, imagine you've written a song, never gets old. Now Steve's making a face and pointing to himself because that was Steve. Sorry to embarrass you, Marissa. Uh, the was, commentary no, you all offer me, is so actually. insightful. No, I, <laughs> no, I, was, I think just, it might have been me. No, I think it might have been me. me actually. <laughs> the commentary you all offer is so insightful. Sitting through hour and a half long episodes is hard for me, but listening to your episodes makes time fly by faster than ever. My friends are all very tired of me because I never stop telling them the quips of information that I learned from you. A day or two ago on Twitter, you announced that the final studio album commentary is coming out soon, and I'm already quite sad. I'm eager to stick around though when you're done with all the albums i'm assuming maybe you'll you'll rank each of them on that note i'd like to share something with you it might be obscure to you but may but it might not lately there's been a trend of people using ai voices to imitate u.s presidents do you know where this is going have you seen this you think this? oh yeah mostly of biden trump and obama it's stupid but they sound so realistic and they are so funny there's a video of the big three tier ranking the radiohead discography I've seen i think uh, i sent this yeah. to you adam actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you did uh it's very funny people should go and uh check that out uh anyway if you read this thank you very much i'll probably email you when i finish the entire radiohead season and probably the earlier ones too can't wait for more well thank you very much marissa uh good to have you on board uh lovely email lovely lovely nice, uh, email lovely nice. yes lovely nice thank nice. you very very much um that brings us to the end of another episode thank you very much everyone for listening our next episode is out next monday and we are going to have a little watch along of a show from the reckoning era so come and join us for that but before you do come and let us know what you think of reckoning does it suffer from being released too quickly I've seen that criticism. Does it capture the band's energy? How has it aged for you? Come and tell us everything. The show works best when it's in direct conversation with all of you. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, TikTok at What Is Music. And if you'd like to send in something a little bit longer, like Marissa did, and have us read it out on the show, you can email us whatismusicpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like what you heard here, and if you, and if I liked, and when I'm liking what I heard here and thinking I'd like more here of that, please yeah. head over to our Patreon page. We will find all kinds of extra podcast shows. There's one where we revisit Manitory Preachers. There's one where we explore all kinds of different artists, genres, and eras to make themed playlists. There's bonus commentaries. There's music discussion episodes. There's ad-free episodes of this show. There's an amazing Discord community and deep breathing. 
head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes for up to two podcast episodes every single week of your miserable life. There are, of course, other ways you can support us if you would like to. You could buy some of our merchandise over at whatismusicpod.redbubble.com or send us a little one-off donation over at coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash whatismusic. The best way to support us, however, is to do what you're doing right now, which is listening to us. And you can rate the show, subscribe the show, subscribe the show to the show, share it with your friends, all of that stuff that we always ask you to do that about does it thank you again for listening we will see you next week but for now it's the end of the episode as we know it and i feel heartened joyous rem (laughs) lovely